Today in the Home Design Academy podcast, we are going to be talking all about purchasing land. Welcome to episode 41 of the Home Design Academy podcast. My name is Chris Novelli, and I am the owner and principal architect of N3 Architecture based out of Hopedale, Massachusetts. And welcome to the Home Design Academy podcast, where we help people understand design and construction so that they can make better decisions on their projects and communicate more effectively with their architects and contractors. All right, we are continuing a series of episodes on the steps involved in a home construction project. And today, we are going to be talking all about purchasing land and what you need to be thinking about and what you need to be doing when you go to purchase land. And I'm not talking just about evaluating the cost of the land here. But first, I want to talk about the book that I have written. If you like this podcast, and you like the tips and the stories that I share here, then I would encourage you to purchase a copy of my book. It's titled The The Homeowner's Guide to Residential Design and Construction, and it's a 64-page ebook that's available as a PDF download right through the resource page on my website. That's n3architecture.com slash resources. It's also available in a paperback version that you can order through Amazon. Just go to the resource page on my website and you'll find the link. So working with homeowners, I often see them making the same mistakes over and over again. And this is understandable because most people have not undertaken a large scale renovation, addition, or new construction project. Homeowners usually do not understand what's required during each of these phases, how long things will take, the questions you should be asking, or even what is the typical sequence of phases for a project. So this book will take you through an entire project from the dreaming stage all the way into occupancy and beyond. The book follows a general sequence of a project. It explains in detail what to expect during each phase, and it lists out the mistakes that I see homeowners making time and time again in each of these phases. So the the book is available right now on the resource page of my website. But if you're not ready to pick up the book, you could still head over to the resource page of my website and pick up my free guide, Five Tips to Get Started on Your Project. There's some great information in there that will help you get started. So again, just go to n3architecture.com slash resources. And of course, you can always visit n3architecture.com for more details or feel free to reach me on Instagram at n3architecture. All right, into our main topic here, purchasing land. Let me paint a little picture for you. Let's say that you've been dreaming about building a house for many, many years. And you've been saving up and you've been gathering images and you are ready to take that next step. And you are ready to purchase land because you want to build a new house on a, on a plot of land. And so what's the first thing that you do? Well, if you're like most people, the first thing that you probably do is open up your computer or your cell phone and you start start looking for land that's available for sale. And you know, you go through all the, the different websites, the realtor.com, the Zillow, uh, and all the other types of sites out there. Uh, and you start looking for land. And you start looking at pictures and you start looking and narrowing down based upon the town that you want to build in and 
the location and the the size of the property. And then maybe your next step is you're contacting a realtor and you're uh, working with that realtor about and talking with them about what you, you're you looking for in a land. Maybe if this is a vacation house, maybe you want something on the water or in the mountains. Um, if it's a, a, a house that you're going to live in every day, maybe you want it in a certain town or a city and close to family and friends. So you start working with the realtor uh, to narrow down the budget and your and your options. But this is just scratching the surface on what you should be doing when you purchase land. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, this first tip will not come as a surprise to you. But my first tip when you're purchasing land is for you to hire an architect to help you. Now, you may be thinking, Chris, why in the world would I hire an architect when I'm looking to purchase land? Maybe I'll hire an architect after I purchase the land and when I'm ready to build. But why in the world would I hire an architect beforehand? You know, you've already got a realtor and that's all you need, right? Well, no. So a realtor, yes, they can help you, but they're not going to be able to help you in the way that an architect can. Yes, they might be able to help you uh, determine what's a fair price for that land and maybe explore some of the potential. But, and I mean no offense to realtors out there, I know a lot of high quality realtors, the realtors aren't going to actually have the skill set to be able to tell you what you can actually build on that land. So just imagine, you go through the process of purchasing this beautiful property and you're ready to get going and you find out that the house that you want to design does not fit on that piece of property or that the environmental conditions are not conducive to the way that you want to live in that house. So this is where the architect comes in. You should hire an architect to create feasibility studies for each piece of land that you're thinking of buying. And by creating these feasibility studies, let's say you've narrowed it down to two or three pieces of property that you're considering. Hire your architect to design or do some conceptual layouts on what is possible on each of those three pieces of property. And then you can take those conceptual designs and evaluate if that works for your needs. So yes, this is a little bit of extra money and it's a little bit of extra money up front, but just think of how much time and effort and money it's going to save in the long run by having something that you know is going to work and you have that confidence when you're making that purchase. I don't want you to purchase land and then find out that you can't build on it or you can't build the way that you want on it. Here's a quick story. I'm working with clients right now, right as I'm recording this podcast, and they've purchased eight acres of land and it's got a a nice mountain view in the background and it has a little bit of a stream running through it and their thought is that they want to have their house where they can capture those mountain views and maybe capture the stream views or at least have the house somewhat adjacent to the little stream that goes through the property. But guess what? There's so much wetlands in the other eight acres of the site that it makes accessing that area that desired area uh, almost impossible. I don't want to say it's impossible because anything's possible when you have the when you have enough budget, but they're going to have to jump through a lot of hoops in order to build where they want to build just because of the regulations that are being put on them. 
Now, if they would have hired me beforehand to complete a feasibility study, I could have given them this, this information and maybe they would have still made the same choice on the property because it is a beautiful piece of property, but maybe they would have chose something else and they'll never know. So now we have to deal with this wetlands issue and work around it. All right, so you've hired an architect to create some feasibility studies before you make your land purchase. This is what I would do for my clients. And, you know, maybe your architect that you've hired doesn't do these same exact things, but it's something for you to at least talk with them about, you know, before they get going. So what I would do for my clients in a feasibility study before they purchase land, the number one thing I would do is complete a basic review of the local zoning ordinances. So the zoning ordinances are going to determine what is allowed to be built on that site. Not just the use because, you know, maybe you want to build a two-family house or maybe you want to build a house with an in-law suite and not all towns allow that. Not all towns and cities allow a house or a building with two working kitchens because there's the potential for it to be rented out and certain zones of certain towns that's not allowed so that's just one example of a hundred i would definitely complete a basic zoning ordinance review so again it's going to tell you the use it's going to tell you the setbacks it's going to tell you the the allowed lot coverage the allowed height uh so on and so forth and by determining that, uh, what's allowed by the zoning ordinance, it's going to help better determine what is actually allowed to be built. And then you can take that sort of leftover area once you once you take out the setbacks and, and stuff like that or any, you know, uh, not just property line setbacks but also wetland setbacks and you can look at how much area is left in the property and you can look to see if the amount of square footage that you want to build will actually fit there. Stay tuned for more from the Home Design Academy. But first, I wanted to talk to you about Entree Architect. Are you an architect or an architecture student? You need to consider joining the Entree Architect Academy. Entree Architect is a blog, it's a podcast, it's a free private Facebook group that's just for architects and architecture students. It's a place of community and where we can all come together to share ideas on how to improve the profession. But becoming a member of the Entree Architect Academy gives you access to resources and documents that you can customize and use in your firm today. In the academy, there are monthly expert training sessions with replays of these expert training sessions going all the way back to 2015. There are also mastermind groups that you can join. I belong to two of them and it's been a great help for me in running my firm. I worked for firms for over 20 years before I launched N3 Architecture and had I joined and taken advantage of everything that Entree Architect Academy had to offer, I would have started my firm years sooner. Pay attention to that. If you're thinking of starting a firm, join Entree Architect Academy now. So if any of this interests you, if you're the owner of a small firm, or if you're an employee who dreams of starting your own firm, or if you're a student who wants to learn the business side of architecture that they don't teach you in school, 
I want you to go to n3architecture.com, then go to the resources page, and there you'll find a link that will take you to the membership site of Entree Architect Academy. That's n3architecture.com slash resources. Don't wait. Do it today. The next thing is to determine if there's any easements running through the property. And so maybe your real estate agent would have this information. If not, it could be looked up at the any um, town hall or registry of deeds. But an easement running through the property means that you cannot build in that area. So maybe it's a utility easement or maybe it's a town access easement. It's Knowing that information is is invaluable. First off, you can determine whether you can build on that property or not. But second all, second of all, if there's a utility easement running through the property, that just sets it up for in the future, you know that something's going to happen there. Maybe that air maybe the area of that easement would be clear cut for a new power line or a new gas line. So wouldn't you want to know that information beforehand? Step three is I'm looking at what is the access to the property. Access to the property is so critical. Are there roads? Are there infrastructure in place? Are you going to be responsible for creating them? Are you going to have to pave a road and be responsible for all those costs? And then who's going to maintain the road? Is Is the road maintained by the town or the city or is it something that you have to do? Who's going to plow it? Who's going to maintain it? All that stuff is things that you need to think about. What is the access like during the summer and during the winter? Do you, is the only way to access the property through a, a, a really steep hill and you only drive a small compact car? Well, guess what? In the winter months, if you live in a northern climate, you may not be able to access your property because you have a little compact car and you have a steep hill uh, on the road to get there. So these are all things that you have to think about. And maybe that doesn't matter to you. But what should matter is if you're building, especially in a rural area, if you're building in an area that you're going to be required to provide the access to the site, you just have to know that whatever that cost, it's going to come out of your construction budget. Next thing I would do in a feasibility study, along with the the access to the property, is I would look to see if there are utilities available water sewer gas electrical so on and so forth now maybe you're building an off-the-grid house and it doesn't really matter if there's utilities or maybe you're planning on a septic system and a well and you know not having water or or town sewer isn't a isn't a problem for you but it's something you need to understand anything that's not readily available at the street you're gonna have to provide the the services and the costs to extend those services. And maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe it's a short distance. But I've seen some sites that are pretty set back from the main road where a a homeowner might want a gas service where there's none existing on the side street and they're not able to get it. Yes, there's definitely workarounds. You can use propane instead. But at this stage of the game, we're not really talking about solutions. We're just evaluating what is there and what is not there and seeing if that fits your needs. The next thing to evaluate in a feasibility study is the topography. So a topography is the grade elevation or the slope of the site. Is it a flat site? Is it a hilly site? Is, a, is it a rolling site? Is it a cliff? 
These are all things that you need to know because it's going to determine what you can build and how you can move around the site. Now, oftentimes, sites that are hilly or have a, a large grade change are the most exciting to work work with as an architect because you can create some pretty dramatic spaces. But what if you or one of the members of your family is in a wheelchair? How would you go about accessing a, a very uh, hilly site or accessing different parts of your site if there's no handicap accessibility to it? So again, things to think about. Next off, I'm looking at views. Are there any views to mountains or oceans or lakes or whatever? These are all things that you might want to consider when you're purchasing land. Now this step is pretty basic, right? You're going to know if the property has a good viewer or not, right? You're going to tell by pictures and by visiting the site, is there a view that I'd like? But what's more important is how the views correspond to everything else that we've just talked about. Because if the buildable areas based upon the zoning review doesn't allow your house to capture those views, then what's the point of having them? And along with views, I want you to think about where your neighbors are. Is there property to either side, in front, or behind? What's, what's their property look like? Where are the areas of your neighbor's property where are the areas that they're hanging out outside? Or what's their view into your site? And what's your view back into their site? Next, I'm looking at environmental conditions such as solar angles. Solar angles play such a big part in architectural design. And not just for, for solar panels, but just the way that the light interacts with the spaces that you're going to be living in. And you want to make sure that the property that you're evaluating has the right orientation for the way that you want to live. Let me tell you a quick story on why this matters. I have a friend who has a lake house in northern Vermont. And this is a such a beautiful setting. And their property is on the east side of the lake. Now one of the their most favorite things to do at their property. Is to cook a nice dinner. And sit out on the deck and eat and be with family and friends. And have a few drinks and watch the sunset over the mountains behind them. And it's a beautiful setting and the sunset over the lake and the mountains in the background create this ideal situation. And it's perfect for the way that they want to use their house. Now, if their property was on the west side of the lake, still would be a great piece of property. Still would have amazing lake views, but the sunset would be at their backs. They wouldn't get that beautiful sunset over the lake. So they would miss out on that opportunity and they would miss out on that experience that is so important to them. Now, I'm not sure if when they bought the property, they considered that, but you should. If having, if you're buying a lake house and your dream is to sit out with a glass of wine at sunset, then you better make sure that you have your property on the side of the lake that's opposite the sunset. So again, these are all things that a feasibility study can can tell you. Next up in the feasibility study is an evaluation of what outdoor activities you like to do. If you like to play catch with your kids or if you want to be able to have a swimming pool, you're going to need to determine if the property will allow that. And then finally, the cost of the land. Now, I personally think that the cost of the land 
is the least important of all the items that we've evaluated so far in this feasibility study. I mean, obviously cost matters, right? Um, and if the cost of the property is outside your budget, then you, you're not going to be able to afford it and you shouldn't even consider it. However, I also think that if the cost of the land fits within your budget, everything else that we've talked about today is more important. You need to figure out if that property will actually work for you. And not every property is going to work for everyone. And yes, you can purchase a beautiful piece of oceanfront or lakefront or mountainside property and still have it be a poor decision. You need to determine if everything else about the property is going to work. Or if it doesn't work, what are the solutions or what are the alternatives? And if you've purchased land without making such a minor investment up front to have an architect complete a feasibility study for you, then you're just rolling the dice. Maybe it will work, maybe it won't. I guess you'll never know. Or you can make the smart decision and hire an architect to do that feasibility study and you can make that purchase with confidence, knowing that it is going to be everything that you've dreamed of. And that's what I want for you. I want you to have everything that you've dreamed of. up another episode of the home design academy podcast i hope that you learned something and enjoyed yourself along the way make sure you subscribe and leave a review on your podcast player of choice please visit n3architecture.com for more information you can always email me your questions chris at n3architecture.com that comes directly to me feel free to contact me on instagram or any other social media platform even if you just want to say hi search for n3 architecture and you'll be sure to find me Visit n3architecture.com slash resources to purchase a copy of the Homeowner's Guide to Residential Design and Construction. And if you're an architect, consider becoming a member of the Entree Architect Academy. You can also find the information on that on my resources page. Thank you very much, and I will see you in the next episode.